Welcome to the STEM Teacher Podcast. I'm your host, John Van Dusen. This is episode 53, Lego Robotics. So we have a special guest with us today in Amanda Gibbons. Amanda graduated from Rapid River High School in 1999, Rapid River, home of the Rockets. Um, and she also graduated from Northern Michigan University in 2005. Amanda and I were actually at Northern Michigan University at the exact same time. We just never crossed paths. I was in an elementary track, and I believe she was in a secondary track. So uh, she works as the education director for First Robot League here in Michigan. Uh, she deals a lot with the Lego Robotics program, and she helped me out a lot with our fourth graders here at Woodland Elementary, getting them involved in robots. And we just held a robot competition about a month ago. We've been trying to get her on the podcast for a couple of weeks now and just schedules haven't been able to sync up and finally they did. Welcome and thanks for coming on the show, Amanda. Thanks. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. I'm told I have a face for podcasting. <laughs> well, here is bucket list filled. So tell us about your current job, your title, what you do for work and just kind of what you're doing right now. Wow, that's a lot of questions. Okay, so I am the education director for First in Michigan. I am in charge of bringing K-12 programming to Michigan schools and executing the vision for the Michigan Department of Education grant. So is that through LEGO or is that through the school district? Like It's actually through the state of Michigan. Uh, Michigan is one of the only states in the United States that actually offers a grant through FIRST. So there's Lego and there's FIRST Robotics. We actually use FIRST and Lego Robotics as tools to provide curriculum and STEM support to classrooms across the state of Michigan. Awesome. So I know you work with Kingsford. Do you work with other school districts in the area? All of them. I am the Region 1 Director, which means that all of the Upper Peninsula is in my um, area. So if you see a FIRST Robotics team, K-12, chances are they've talked to me in the last two weeks. I also work with teams all over the state. So it, it, it really is a mixed bag. I probably talk to about 10 to 15 districts every day. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so how did you get your start in Lego Robotics? Like where did this all begin? Well, that's actually kind of a funny story. Um, and it starts with my son, Thomas, who doesn't really commit to much. He's 10 and he's one of those kids that gets obsessed about something and then it peters out and he's on to the next thing. Well, a few years ago, he was obsessed with Legos, truly obsessed with Legos. And I was looking around our area, which is very rural, and it turns out there's not a lot of Lego robotics or Lego programming in our area. And I knew I wanted that. So I was looking around because it's very expensive to fund, and I came across the Michigan Department of Education grant. I called around, I called downstate, found out if we were candidates. We were um, in the one thing led to another and pretty soon I was the region one representative <laughs> for the area and that grew to the point where now I'm doing all these fancy tricks and doing training with educators and the funny part of the story is my son's kind of over robotics now he uh he's on to something else and uh now I'm stuck with robots no wow. I love it though yeah that's funny how something can start just as a small thing trying to help one particular kid, your son in this instance, and then it morphs into now you're taking care of the entire Upper Peninsula. Well, I think that's the case with most people that probably listen to your podcast. The people who stand up and help are the ones that are going to stand up and help with everything. So there's a small segment of the population who kind of have their hands in everything and they're working to better kids. 
we see that in the army too. Hard work is rewarded with more work. More so, work. Absolutely. Now, did you do uh, robotics with Dr. Buell at NMU? I did not. Okay. So I did. I know we had talked earlier and I mentioned in the intro that we were at Northern at the same time, just a little bit different tracks. And Dr. Buell was my first intro into robotics. He was teaching a class for elementary teachers and that's, we did Lego robotics. So I actually had just the smallest sliver of uh, experience back in 2000, maybe 2003 or four. Um, but then when you came in to help with the fourth grade, that was my first experience ever with Lego robots. And they have come, you know, light years since 15 years ago. Yes. You are probably working on the NXT model. The current iteration is the EV3 Mindstorms. I actually am working currently on a Christmas cookie frosting EV3 machine for our Christmas party. Well, I will be a cookie Oh, you're going to test? Tester. Absolutely. Oh, yes. You're so generous. <laughs> so what's the best part about working with students and these robots? I know you work with, is it K-12? It's K-12. So what's the best part about working with students well, and robots? I started as a secondary teacher. I'm a math and computer science person. And so usually you would see the same type of kids traditionally successful in the classroom. That was always the case where you know, you could work hard and kids that had that certain work ethic were going to succeed in the classroom. And then there were kids that were lacking some piece, something in the background knowledge that wasn't clicking for them. And they ended up going down a completely different path. But robotics is the great equalizer. It doesn't care what you've done before. It doesn't care what you're going to do next. It doesn't care if you have learning disabilities. It doesn't care if you're dyslexic. Um, there is a certain subset of our population that just gets this. And it's never who you expect. I love going into the classroom and working with teachers. And they always try to steer me towards certain volunteers because they know that those kids will, you know, fit the mold. They'll be properly behaved. They'll pay attention. They're not going to make noise during instruction. And I always, my teachers are always amazed when I leave that the most successful kids are never the ones that you're going to pick. Robotics is a completely different skill set than your reading, your writing, your mathematics, your science, and your social studies. Um, the best roboticist I've ever seen at the middle school level is probably the worst reader I've ever seen. And it's very, very, very exciting to give a different kids a different pathway that probably haven't had a lot of success in their school, in their school day. And I, I see that a ton just in my STEM class, especially with the fifth grade. I've seen kids where we're the job is to build a shoe and a kid that might struggle in the math, social studies, science, reading, the kids gravitate to that person. They want to be in his group because they know spatially and with his hands, he can do great things. And that kid's going to go off and make $100,000 a year welding. You know, he's not the stereotypical go to college, get a degree, get a white collar job. And that's not what he wants to do or she wants to do. And they're really good with their hands. And I've seen that with the robots. And the last couple of weeks, we've been doing basically unplugged coding, secret codes, so, breaking codes. Pseudo code. Yeah. And, and some, of the, some of the students that sometimes struggle with, with regular things, they're just excelling. And like you're saying, it's, you're surprised. You know, it's when a kid comes up with you with see. a full-blown page of code, and you're like, holy smokes, you know. Would not have pegged that kid in the beginning. We've but. had kids who are completely inside a resource room during the day come and beat the pants off of any Java kid. <laughs> and that's a text-based language. So a kid who can't even read the text that they're typing 
can actually speak the Java language well enough to be proficient. And I think what we're seeing right now, especially with the STEM movement and the movement towards more hands-on, is that historically we haven't been great as an educational system at celebrating kids who don't fit that traditional mold. That traditional mold is not serving everyone well. And so if your district is not trying some of these different hands-on things, we're, we're leaving out a chunk of the population here. I agree. And that's where I love my job, where we are always building with blocks and geoboards and dominoes and zoobs. And it's all hands-on spatial awareness from pre-K to fifth grade. And uh, robots is really it's added a chunk into that with the fourth graders. Uh, what are some of the difficulties you have with robots? I know when you're in here with fourth grade, you know, we only had so many robots and there was, you know, a lot of people to a group. That was the only real difficulty I saw, but obviously you see a lot more. Yeah, there's, there's a couple things. Um, generally a first Lego league team is made up of 10 students. Um, in Michigan, when we're doing a classroom iteration of that, I like no more than four or five per robot. Um, if you get more than four kids on one robot, inevitably what happens is one or two kids just put their hands up and let the other kids do the work. And it's generally speaking, not the kids that should do the work. It's just the kids that are the more assertive of the group. And so you're not serving those um, introverted, not wanting to, they're not going to, they're not going to jump into the fray and say, here's my idea and here's why it should work. So when you're starting with robotics, it gets expensive quickly because you have to you have to get the kids in front of a robot, but you also have to have them touch it. I often talk to teachers at trainings and they say, oh, well, we have a robot in our classroom. And I said, you have one robot. How many kids do you have? And so unless you're doing something fancy where you're rotating who gets to touch the robot, just the sheer amount of materials, the cost gets expensive. But I would actually say my biggest challenge, bar none, is the adults. The, the adults are the problem that we're seeing in robotics historically. Um, Lego education does a great job of training teachers on how to use their product. John was one of the ones who jumped in and said, hey, I, I've never done this before, but I'm happy to try it. But he's not the norm. The norm is, well, we already have our day planned out and this would be a disruption in my day. And until we can break down that hands-on learning is a disruption, we're always going to be under the old paradigm where teachers teach and kids sit and absorb. And that we just, we really need to break down those pillars. We need to get people in front of the robots. We need the teachers to start feeling comfortable with bringing this stuff inside their classroom. And I, I see that too. Like my room is in a constant state of chaos, controlled chaos, organized chaos. So I can see where teachers, cause the robots, it is, it is a little chaotic. Like here's a robot, you know, a lot of it is figure it out. But it's um, worth it. It is. And, and I do that all the time, every day with every class. But I can definitely see, you know, a very structured classroom teacher with a day blocked out. Um, and they're very happy to send their kids over to you to make the yes, mess. And then they can, they can come back to their clean room and yep. have order and uh, the way they like to have things in their room. Um, but the thing with teaching is... You always need to have that little bit of flexibility because otherwise things just kind of fall apart. And what we really want to start seeing in our young people is teacher, new teachers, pre-service teachers coming in and saying, you know, hit me with a few new things. I'm willing to try things new. And I'm okay if my classroom doesn't look like the classroom down the hall. 
I have a friend that teaches in Lance and she doesn't have any desks in her room. It's flexible seating. She has couches, love seats, bean bags. And uh, my son but is in her class. But that's a brave thing to do. It is. And, you know, a lot of, I'll say older teachers, yes. although I'm closely approaching that category, they will go into that room and they just don't There's get it. There's a judgment, it's, right? Right. It's not, um, it's not a real How can classroom. you be teaching your children if they're sitting on couches instead of in hard chairs? Um, and that's, that's one thing I hope that all teachers can start getting over because every teacher that is successful is successful because they've embraced something in themselves that makes them a good teacher, whether it's relationships, whether it's a certain organizational structure, whether it's just their passions. And the sooner we can drop away from that, my classroom needs to look like the guy next door's classroom, the better we're going to be as teachers as a whole. I, I agree. So I know you're just one person, but you are plugged into the first, the Lego stuff, the robotics stuff. Where do you see the future of Lego robotics, say five years, 10 years, it's 2030. Where is Lego robotics? Where do you see it headed? It's probably at that point going to be in every classroom. I see it um, overseas. It's huge. Uh, right now, Michigan is is kind of pioneering this, and I'm super proud because usually when you hear of Michigan, you don't hear, well, top of the top in math, top of the top in science. You don't hear that. But we've really pioneered some STEM programming that allows us to compete. Uh, we are the largest robotics programming state in the union. You would think California, you might think Texas, but you're wrong. It's Michigan. And so with that momentum, think three years ago, Michigan had 300 first Lego League teams. We were at 660 this year. That's, so doubled it. <laughs> we doubled in three years. Um, it was, with Depending on how legislation works with the grant, I'm at the point now where I see first Lego League in every school district in upper Michigan, even the very, very smallest it's just going to grow from here. I would say that within probably 10 years, every teacher who wants robots in their class will have them free of charge from the state. And then what we also see is now that we've introduced this competency into fourth and fifth graders, we now have the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders needing extra robotics experience because where do they go from here, right? right. These guys, have they've, they've gotten a taste of robots. They're not done. So at Brighting, we actually have middle school robotics inside the classroom as well. So it's called the First Tech Challenge, and these kids are working with text-based programming, aluminum, fabrication, all kinds of different things. So what I just see is a continuous growth, more experience for each child, and eventually, <clears throat> excuse me, these children will be high schoolers that will be on high school robotics teams. And from there, we've seen amazing stories about where kids can find their place. Well, and I see it. It's not just robots, but it's an order of thinking. It's problem solving. It's working as a team. It's That's the biggest thing, working as a team. You remember the first day I came into your class and I told the kids we're starting robotics teams. Did I tell them we're going to build really great robots or did I say you're going to have to work really great with your friends and your yeah. classmates and you're going to have to share your ideas in respectful ways because that's that's what makes us successful adults. Yep. And it sounds a lot like when I talked with Justin Cowan about coding and where that has kind of gone. And I got pre-kindergartner right now. They're, they're coding, which, you know, when we were in school, coding wasn't even a thing that we had heard about. That was something some fancy person right. in a suit did. Um, so, yeah. Um, so one last question for you. And I, I ask all my guests this. 
Android or iPhone? Oh, Android, bar none Android. Um, you know, iPhones are really great to hold your papers down on a windy day. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, give me one second here. So if anybody wanted to find anything more on social media, where would you send them? Um, I would have them take a look at the First in Michigan Facebook page. I would also have them definitely check out firstinmichigan.org. That is where all of our programming is, where information for the grants are. Um, you can also always go to www.firstinspires.org. That will tell you anything you want to know about robotics competitions, the core values of robotics, and how we're trying to build people, not robots. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the STEM Teacher Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. That was Amanda Gibbons, who works with FIRST here in Michigan. She's the Region 1 Director. We talked a little bit about her job and what she does. We also talked about how she got started in LEGO Robotics. We're just trying to get her son involved with LEGOs and robotics. And actually, he has moved on to other things. And she is now the Region 1 Director, working with all the schools in the Upper Peninsula. We talked about some of the best part about working with students, especially when you get those kids who maybe struggle in core subjects, but they really excel when it comes to Lego robotics. And we talked about some of the difficulties, which, shame on us, is typically the adults and just not being too open to change. Um, and we also talked about where she sees the future of robotics and where it's in most districts now, maybe a couple of classrooms, but she sees it in every classroom, you know, the next five to 10 years, anybody who wants a robot will be able to get robots and be able to work with their kids. So that will do it for episode 53 of the STEM teacher podcast. As always, you can find us on social media on Instagram at Mr. Underscore JV Dusen on Twitter at Mr. Underscore JVD. And you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. Again, there's probably two of them. Uh, Look at the one with all the educational stuff. Uh, so this will do it. And this is John Van Dusen asking you to keep an open mind and try to learn something new every day. You've been listening to the STEM Teacher Podcast hosted by John Van Dusen. You can find the STEM Teacher Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. You can follow John Van Dusen on Twitter at Mr. Underscore JVD or by email at stemteacherpodcast at gmail.com.